episode number one, Kick360's weekly football podcast, coming to you on all audio platforms, wherever you're listening. I am your host for today, Neil Simons, formerly of the Roundball Project, and of course, I have the pleasure to introduce our two guests today in Jack George and Harper Pessinger, two of our journalists who write for kick360.com.au. Make sure you check out all the articles there that we've written in the past week. Some stuff on the Australian qualification squad for the FIFA World Cup. Second round is commencing next week. We've also got some breakout stars. And of course, Beyond the Dugout, the last edition will be out uh, as you are listening to this. So we'll introduce the premise of the show. Uh, kick360, obviously, we are a football publication and... We uh, have been in existence for about three months now. It's been a wonderful three months. Um, obviously, you you guys have contributed as well. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, and we seek to provide news, insights, um, analysis on this podcast to summarize the week um, that just passed and also provide some insight into what could happen in the future, discussion topics, um, predictions, etc., uh, but it is the off-season. Uh, as we know, the A-League has one of the longest off-seasons in the world. Uh, I think this year it's, it's a bit shorter. However, we will do our best to keep you entertained during the off-season and beyond. But time to introduce our guests, well, co-hosts in Jack, George and Harper Persinger. Harper, how are you doing? Oh, it's a pleasure to be with you, Neil and Jack, uh, on this historic evening for the podcast. Really looking forward to getting into it. And Jack... Yeah, it's nice to be here. I'm excited for the podcast and for, I guess, the long run as well. So sweet. That's, that's, that sounds awesome. We'll go into the World Cup qualifiers. Australia uh, kick off their second, is it third round or second round qualification phase? Third round. It's the last round. Third round. Yes, I think that's correct. Yeah. Um, against China and uh, Thailand next week. Uh, a very interesting two games. The squad is due to be announced midweek. Uh, hopefully, the pod, the, the, sorry, the the squad hasn't been announced um, as this podcast has been released. However, uh, Jack, you have provided some insight, and you will have an article up with uh, one of our other journalists, Thomas Williams, on the FIFA World Cup qualifiers Australian squad predictions. Uh, who are some of the surprises that we could see out, especially after many of that, uh, well, much of that Soccer squad that we had in June uh, were a part of the Olympics. Yeah, um, so Matt Ryan is one that is, I guess, uh, could be a surprise omission, not because that he won't make the squad, but because that he's um, injured at the moment and he's expected to uh, return at the end of the month, which is um, August. But our, the uh, Socceroos' first game is only two, three days later. So um, he's been out for, I think, a few weeks now. So he could be one that we see uh, miss out. And it could mean that Danny Vukovic gets a start in the first game and the likes of uh, particularly Lawrence Thomas, if Australian players don't end up going, that could push uh, for the squad because that Matt Ryan is very much the established number one. And then from there, it's quite a grey area because of how, I guess, how good Ryan's performed over the last uh, few years. And then we also went for a few, we went for um, a few younger Australians, which obviously are a bit up in the air at the moment, but we've put Nathaniel Atkinson in just because he can provide cover, uh, on both fullbacks and also a winger, if necessary. Like he, it's hard to forget. Sorry, easy to forget that he um won a league, the grand final player of the match, playing on the right wing. Uh, so he can play, I guess, all the way across both wings and both fullbacks, which just provide depth. And he had such a good Olympics 
our grandmother seems to really like him and have a lot of trust in him. And we also went with um, another one, which Connor Metcalf, who is one of Tom's favourite um, players ever. And we put him in because of, yet again, a really good Olympics and can just provide depth in the midfield, although both of them could be just not in the squad due to the quarantine rules within Australia. And I guess your take, Harper, on the whole quarantine situation, if the Australian-based players should be going to this qualifying phase, well, specifically this window, um, it's a very difficult topic to sort of work around for the A-League clubs and I guess Graham Arnold more broadly. Yeah, it is a very difficult one to kind of think about because uh, on the one hand, if you're a kind of less experienced player who's going to be on the fringes of the squad, probably not getting a start, but like the whole this whole new novelty of being in the squad, you want to be there. But also, if it, it might really, to be blunt, be a bit pointless to go and then not play and then do two weeks quarantine back here. So it's going to be really interesting to see if young players especially go and some more experienced heads as um, like plenty of the names Jack mentioned there. Uh, yeah, I, I reckon we'll see a fair few A-League players go. Maybe not, maybe not a fair few, actually. Uh, maybe one or two, I reckon. And then uh, the rest will probably either not be willing or just not be picked because they're not up to the level. Yeah, I do agree with that. I think, obviously, since that Olympic campaign for the for the Oli Roos um, finished a couple of weeks ago, we've only seen Dennis Jonro make the move. Uh, I believe Metcalf has links with uh, Spanish clubs as well. I'd hope for the first division, uh, how, although I do have lingering doubts. Uh, but I guess, Jack, what are some other players that could possibly make the squad from that midfield and sort of forward region? Yeah, well, so uh, I can read out the midfielders. We put in Kenny Dugal, James Holland, Aaron Moy, Jackson Irvine, uh, Connor Metcalf, obviously, uh, Masuana Luongo, uh, Tom Rogic, who's doing really well at Celtic at the moment and might have pushed himself into a starting position. And uh, Aiden Hurstick, who actually started, um, I only found this out, he started the re- recent Bundesliga game, but he started as one of the defensive midfielders in a two, which could be interesting to see if Arnold chooses to play him, I guess, more forwards, where I, I assume that's just where he plays or he actually moves into a defensive midfielder role, maybe alongside a more defensive-minded player in general, because you'd assume that her stitch is um, more of like the ball-playing midfielder and the one that likes to push on into the box. And then also we had Riley McGree in midfield, who yet again another one that had a good Olympics and um, overseas will probably be in the squad. Yeah, it's a very difficult one, I feel. Uh, Tom Rogic. Let's, let's talk about Tom Rogic. I think I've been converted into a Celtic fan uh, as much um, as I possibly can be. Uh watching most of the Scottish Premier League games uh, on Saturday or Sunday evening. Uh, and I'm sure you guys you guys have to watch the Old Firm this weekend. I think we, we'll touch on that later. Um, but uh, Ange Postacoglu has got a massive test ahead of him. But I think Tom Rogic, more broadly, he's been remade. His footwork has been superb. He's able to um, illustrate his versatility on both wings as well, which has been fantastic. And I guess, uh, Harper, we, we didn't see Tom Rogic in the, in the recent squad uh, in June, when we played those four games in the hub, uh, will he be selected? Is his national team aspirations perhaps not as apparent as they used to be? Sort of, what what is your take? Yeah, I reckon he will be in the squad. To be honest, because uh, it's a bit of a cliche, but you always want to represent your country, don't you? And I feel like, especially 
um, kind of being in this good vein of form, he wants to capitalize on that as much as he can and uh, kind of convert that into good international form as well and impress the international manager, the Socceroos manager, of course, Graham Arnold. So my gut feeling is he will be in the squad, but uh, yeah, it will be very interesting to see as, as I said before. Is there room for a smoky in the squad? Uh, we're not sure how many players will be selected. Um, you'd have to suspect you have to suspect it be in the vein of thirty around there, but um, I don't suspect there'll be anybody that makes a squad that haven't made previous squads. I don't think we'll see any new deb- debutants. Thomas Dang, though, he would probably be in the squad. He had a sub- superb Olympics campaign, um, and he is playing quite well, uh, generally speaking, in the J League. Uh, two, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think he's returned as of yet, but uh, I'm sure John Garaud could uh, let me know on that front. But uh, essentially speaking, we've got a very interesting qualifying campaign, and I guess not much talk has been made about our opponents in China and Thailand. I believe, Harper, you have some minor details on uh, those two sides. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, big game against China coming up first. Now, really, these two teams, China and Vietnam, they're two teams that we should be beating really they're not the uh teams that are considered that uh will be like really coming up against to get those top two spots to qualify through to the next round so they're really teams we should be beating and the china game uh the the lobster tariff derby of course uh china's an interesting no way there's no way it's called that there's no way i refuse to believe (laughs) no 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 just a joke mate Um, (laughs) uh (laughs) china's an interesting one uh they're They've, much of their squad plays in China, but they've got uh, Wu Lei, who's um, really their kind of star of the show there. He plays is, for he a, is, is he? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, was he Espanol? You just uh, told me that. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah he's quite exactly. good. Hey? Yeah. Pretty high profile move to Espanol. I think it was a couple of years ago now. He's a kind of uh, left winger. He, he's been smashing it in qualifying. I think he's got like eight, eight goals, I believe. And uh, yeah, China's, they haven't really been much good in the last few qualifying campaigns so it's going to be interesting to see how they go and uh vietnam not only have they not been great in qualifying campaigns recently they haven't even made the final round ever uh and we've never played them as vietnam so this is a unique one uh that basically the whole team plays in vietnam so yes hard to know what they're gonna be like but on paper they're the weakest team in the group and both of them are teams we really should be beating i think I do think China do have some, I think they've naturalized some citizens, if I'm not mistaken, that currently play in the Chinese Super League. Um, yep. Well, it's true though. It's it's yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. it's 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 the Chinese way. You know, that's fair enough. You have to, you have to respect it. I think Elkerson have, I think uh, they've, they have naturalized. I believe he played some Asian Champions League games against some Australian sides. Um, who else comes to mind? Uh, what's his name? The, the former Everton player. He's been he's been naturalized as well. It's, uh, I can't. It's on the top of my lips. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be proving a, a very difficult task. But I guess Jack, more broadly, um, your take on the China game as it's the one coming up. It's the one uh, coming up next Tuesday. Uh, first game on Paramount Plus, which we'll let you talk into. Sorry, Channel Ten, uh, as they've just announced that it won't be broadcast on Paramount. Uh, but your perspectives on on this tie specifically. Yeah, I think it'll be a tough game. Um, yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting uh, because of players for the Chinese national team play in their native league, whereas uh, in Australia we could be doing the opposite in not having any of our players go. 
Um, but I think it'll be a tight game. I'd like to like it's very important that Australia get off to a good start, and three points would be key at the start, especially considering the end of the Olympics and how it ended with Graham Arnold. I wouldn't be surprised if he picks more of an attacking lineup, to be honest. Um, to kind of. I guess even maybe make up for the other rows, different teams, obviously, but he managed them both. And I think he'll probably be hurting a bit after that Egypt game where it wasn't necessarily just his fault, but I think he can feel himself majority of the blame uh, for that defeat after the tactics he implemented. But yeah, I think it'll be an interesting game. I I think Australia will hopefully win. (laughs) Don't want to jinx it. Yeah, hopefully. It's a a funny one with China. They've actually got pretty uh, similar border restrictions to us. So, but like the vast, vast majority of their kind of cohort, their players are based in China. So some players, uh, as we were talking about with Australia, might not be willing to go because they don't want to have to, I don't know if they've got quarantine rules, but I know they have got harsh border restrictions. So that the game is actually being played at Doha. It's playing it being played at Doha. Yeah. um, yeah. From, from my understanding, which is interesting. Uh, We can get in those, uh, uh, what what those are called world cup stadiums. I believe they have air conditioning, in the stadiums, which is quite interesting, but there you go. So yeah, go, go continue with that point. Oh yeah, that was the point really. Harsh border restrictions, so maybe some players won't be willing to uh, travel to join up with the squad in Qatar. That's the question, and that's a, that will be have to be answered very soon. Hopefully, Wule can make the trip down. Uh, we'd love to see him uh, killing it. Two goals in the league in this a good division last year. Uh, but more broadly, we'll move to the domestic game. The A-League off-season in full force. Hasn't been much of a busy time in terms of transfers, but there are several transfers to talk about. Uh, we'll first talk about the signing that was announced yesterday uh, as a recording of uh, Isaias Sanchez, who's returning to Adelaide United on a three-year deal, which is quite surprising. Um, I-, I guess I'll leave it to both of you to discuss, but that's a very clogged-up Adelaide midfield. Uh, where will Isaias fit in? Uh, yeah, I'll take that one if you want, Jack. I think Isaias, yeah, I didn't know it was a three-year deal. He's 34, so that's going to take him through to uh, 37, even 38. I uh, don't know when he turns 38, but yeah, very, very, very kind of strange contract deal there. I think with Isaias, it's not so much, obviously they're, like, they're, gonna planning on, they're gonna be planning on playing him at some point, but it's a, te- it's a signing not so much based uh, kind of on the team, but more based on the club, if you know what I mean, because this guy's like a legend of the club. He's, he played, I think, nearly 150 games for Adelaide in his first stint there. And uh, people who had had a connection with Adelaide when he was there previously, who've maybe fallen out of love with the club a bit since then, maybe they'll be drawn back because this guy uh, holds such fond memories and they hold such fond memories of him. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see if Isaias does play alongside one day in midfield, because both of them are very good ball-playing midfielders. Both of them do not have particularly, you'd assume, Isaias, who was never renowned for his um, ability off the ball and, I guess, general tackling ability. They both like to sit off and don't put any, put, don't put too many pressures in. And it'll be interesting to see if Adelaide, who I guess are more of one of the more direct teams in the league in terms of their right to go wide and use the the um, brilliant wingers they have in, I guess, last season, Craig Goodwin and Ben Halloran. It'll be interesting to see whether with, their, I guess, the trio of Spaniards in one day, Isaias may be sitting in the midfield and then Javi Lopez, who will likely come into right back instead of Ryan Strain, where they look to play the ball through midfield more often and uh, become more of the more possession-orientated teams 
in the A-League, which is a trend we're seeing with the likes of Sydney FC, Melbourne City and MacArthur to really establish themselves as one of the top teams in the league. But obviously, if you play all of those three at the same time, you be, you become very susceptible on the counter-attack because you can already assume that teams will be lining up to play uh, long balls over to the left channel to stop uh, if um, Javi Lopez gets forwards and then the midfield just becomes so much more open with Isaias and one day playing together. So you'd assume that Diarigo would be playing there instead of one of them for the start, but I don't know why Isaias would sign. I agree with you, Harper. I think he's very much more of a club signing than a squad signing for the current moment. But on a three-year deal, I would assume that they would be playing to at least start him for the first season. And him playing with one day would be very fun to watch from my point of view. But I don't know whether it would be the best move for them in terms of the lo- both the long term of the club, but also just that general season in the way they'd be susceptible to counterattacks. I think you've also got Stefan Walker and Louis Dorigo as well in, in that midfield. Yeah. And also Josh Cavallo to an extent as well. He's obviously able to be playing his left back. And I think they'll start him at left back this year. But it's a very interesting one. I actually watched a lot of Adelaide United last year, um, obviously, uh, due to uh, my love for the Adelaide region. Uh, but I just have to say that it's a very good signing. Uh, should he be fit and, and firing come the season start, uh, he should be a solid acquisition. He doesn't count as a foreigner because uh, I believe he's actually an Australian citizen, which will work mm-hmm. uh, in Adelaide's advantage as well. So it uh, looks like Isaias wants to settle down and have a family here. And I believe he's done so. And what a place to return to in Adelaide United. Uh, Cameron Devlin has been a saga that's been uh, ongoing for a couple of weeks, uh, moving to Hart and Methodian. Uh, I'm pretty sure I pronounced that correctly, but uh, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but Harper, you've got some information on Cam Devlin's move. What are some of the updates that uh, are currently going on? Yeah, well, I've got to say, I'm pretty jealous of this bloke because he's just been to Tokyo now. Apparently, he's going off to Edinburgh. Uh, so he's getting much more traveling than most of us. But uh, yeah, Cam Devlin uh, uh, going to Hearts, uh, as per all the rumors that apparently the deal with the, the club and the player uh, with Newcastle and Devlin himself, it's all sorted. But they just need to sort out the visa for him to get over to Scotland. And there, I think there's about one week to go in the window as of uh, the time of recording. So, yeah, if they can sort out the visa by then, he should be a Hearts player. Hearts, big, big club in Scotland. Obviously, you've got Celtic and Rangers, those big two. And then uh, Hearts kind of in that second group of big clubs. And, uh, yeah, so he, he's got bright future ahead of him I hope I think he's still I think he's about 23 uh, but Hearts they signed another centre midfielder a central midfielder a couple of weeks ago I think or maybe a week ago so it, it's going to be I'm not sure if we can expect him to start from the off uh, or maybe not even start, start at all but uh, yeah very interesting signing for a pretty big club in Scottish football Absolutely uh, I think we'll talk about uh, a couple of Newcastle signings very briefly, because uh, they're, they're a bit of there. There's some unknown commodities. Uh, Oliver Boomer, first of all, comes in as a Cameroonian international, uh, who I believe uh, has played for Yokohama F Marinos. Um, I'm not entirely sure if that was under Ange specifically, uh, but still a very good pickup for Newcastle. They also picked up another player in the form of Daniel Pena, who is from Atletico Minero. And they'll receive a loan fee of around $40,000, Atletico. So they're making some money from uh, 
a lot of well from the Newcastle Jets. Currently, they're owned by um, the Wanderers, Sydney FC, Wellington, and Western United. I think that must be spoken about because, let's be honest, they've got quite a good squad this season. Uh, with all the acrimony surrounding the club status, uh, obviously the license got revoked last year, but they've really put a good, a good squad together. And I think the main signings we'll talk about, uh, Dylan Murnane, arriving from HJK um, from the Finnish division. And of course, well, the one that certainly annoyed Central Coast Mariners fans and Samuel Silvera returns on, well, returns to uh, the Central Coast region on a one-year loan deal from uh, Paco de Ferreira. Jack, you're a pretty avid follower of the Mariners in in some way, some shape or form. Um, What do you think of Sam Silvera and and sort of that move? And I guess the Jets more broadly, uh, they've put quite a good squad together. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I don't know. uh, I don't know too much. I don't know anything about any of the foreigners they brought in, but they all seem quite promising from just what I've read, basically, on Sam Silvera. I don't remember him having the best end to his spell at the Mariners. I think he started really well, and I don't know what it was. I yeah, I have no idea what it was, but I think he was playing more inside as a, like I guess an inside forward, or even like at times a playmaker coming into the middle of the park. I don't think he's ready for that yet. He doesn't seem to have the passing range, or I guess like the visual intelligence to play those balls through just at the moment. But he's a good pickup for Newcastle. I do hope that when he plays, he's play, played wide as a classic winger that I guess just runs at their opponents and then you know sees from there rather than just coming inside because I think that is uh, the benefit of his game, but. I hope he gets some good game time, like all Australian young footballers, young Australian footballers, but it will be hard with the the vast amount of foreigners coming in, especially on those wider midfield positions at the moment. Absolutely. And also, uh, just a, a little bit of Kick360 exclusive, we brought in Oliver Kellart for an interview. He's currently at Keflavik, the same club as Joey Gibbs. He's keen on a loan move to Australia as well, so definitely check that one out. Uh, from Cameron Wiper. Um, and I guess just to sort of bring it to a close, Joey Champness uh, signing for a Turkish club uh, in the form of... I'm going to mispronounce this, so that's why I've just... <laughs> Can someone take it from me? I'll take it myself. Uh, Giresunspor. Is that correct? Harper, what do you think? <laughs> oh, I'll just say Giresunspor. Uh, go with a very kind of Aussie Bogan pronunciation. There we go. Giresun Sport. That's probably correct. But yeah, Joey Champness, uh, nobody mentioned it, that he uh, was on a plane in first class somewhere. Wouldn't have thought that would have been to um, back to Brisbane, but he signed for uh, the Tur- that Turkish club uh, on a multi-year deal. Yep. Yeah. So and, uh, that, yeah. that club just been promoted to the, the first division, the Super League in Turkey. So uh I don't know if Joe Champions is going to be uh, nailed on starter, but uh, ho- hopefully we do see him starting. Hopefully we see the team doing well because that can only be good for him and Australian football, Australians in Europe in general. I, I guess, Jack, what, what what is your take on this? He did represent the um, Oli Whites, though. So is he really Australian? He's he's in the region. He's in the region. I think that he's... um <laughs> He's... um. He's, I think he's a confidence player. I remember his first game for Brisbane and I was sick. So I watched the first half an hour and I was probably in a really angry mood anyway. But in my thoughts, I was just taking it out on Champness. And every time he got the ball, I was like, what is he doing? He's taking too long. 
he's not hitting. He lost it so many times. I can't remember why this is true, by the way. Like I said, I was very sick. But um, no, against Melbourne City, yeah, you'd be correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's he's become a lot better over the course of the season. He's really good at keeping the ball and I guess progressing runs. I have his stats. I've now lost them, but I'll keep on waffling until I find them. There we go. Um, he is the best in his position for ball retention in terms of keeping the ball and also for progressive runs. So that's like running with the ball up the field. So I think he's a, I think he's one that deserves an overseas move. I'm a bit disappointed not to see him back at Newcastle considering um, what they did for him to allow him to go and pursue his rap career. Uh, and the, he just seemed to do anything except for go back to Newcastle. But I'm excited to see what he does, particularly in the first division, as you say, Harper. And hopefully he gets a few starts and can impress with them. But the problem is, I think that, like I said, he's a confidence player, so he'll need a consistent run of games to prove himself. Definitely. Yeah, first first time in the first division for uh, Gareth Swimspore for since the 70s, I think. So hopefully they start off with a bang there and old Joey Boy uh, does us all proud. Yeah, I think uh, as his badge is also linked to them as well. So uh mm. And possibly Nikita Rukovitsia is on his way there as well. We will talk about uh, Nikita Rukovitsia uh, imminently. Uh, but also, it uh, must be mentioned, the Mariners did sign an English-born Japanese midfielder uh, from Benevento in Serie B. Uh, they used to play a lot of their football in this area in Sai Goddard. Uh, Jack, do you have any information on Sai? He, he seems to be quite the versatile player. He's also played um, for Mumbai City in the ISL. If only Sean was here to tell us about uh, his exploits there. Yes. Well, I watched a four-minute highlight reel that he posted on his own Instagram. So from that, he looks like the best player ever. I'm assuming that he didn't <laughs> include any bad moments in there. But he seems, from what I, get, I gathered, similar to Sean Harrison, who played for Melbourne City. He wore number nine a few years back in terms of uh, both left-footed right-wingers. I guess Harrison has a bit more of a direct dribbling style. He looks like, I guess, to run directly and take on opponents, whereas um, Goodard always looks to just convert back onto his left foot. He looks dangerous. I think he's weirdly similar to Yanota in his playing style, and that didn't work out very well. So I'm hope he's only 24. So I'm hoping that, you know, he, I think he just needs to find a bit of consistency in the, in the Mariners, obviously, on a two-year deal. And if he can play on uh, the right of that midfoot in the 4-2, four, four should Montgomery choose to stick with the formation, I think he could be a really good addition and a very smart piece of recruiting for the Mariners. They've definitely had a decent off-season. They've re-signed Ron Tongyek, um, of course, bringing in Cy Goddard and also Nikolai Muller, and also re-signed, uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, they re-signed Carl Rowles as well. And Birgitte and Simon as well. And Mark Birgitte as well. So there you go. It's very, very important for them. Uh, news coming out today from the Perth of Glory um, that they are looking for a new winger and they've seemingly got it in the form of a player by the name of Adrian Saldinero, uh, currently contracted to Greek side OFI Klete. Uh, if you recognize that club name, you should because uh, Apostolos Giannou is contracted there as well. Uh, he scored about six goals in his time at Crete in about 30-odd games. Uh, it'd be a pretty good addition, you'd have to say. And also, of course, news announced two hours ago as of time of recording, uh, Jordan Hall, uh, former Green Gully product in the NPL Victoria, has signed for Melbourne City, was a part of the academy a couple of years ago. But I think we'll end it on this note. Uh, Bersar Barisha, announced by his agent John Grimaud, that it doesn't look like he's going to be playing in the A-League for next season. 
Uh, Harper, I guess your initial thoughts on, on Bessart and where could we see him next? Oh, well, yeah, it's a bit disappointing that he's leaving, isn't it? Well, it sounds like he's leaving, seemingly leaving, because uh, even though he might be kind of slowing down in terms of the output, uh, he's always entertaining. He's a good character for the A-League. Um, love him or hate him. Uh, he definitely adds a bit of entertainment value. Where could we see him? Honestly, oh, I'm not sure. I know he had that stint in Japan for San Freche Hiroshima, uh, but hardly got in the park. I think he came off the bench a couple of times, had virtually no impact. Uh, so where could we see him? Maybe we could see him back in his home country of Kosovo. Who knows? I don't really know too many teams from Kosovo, but maybe maybe we could see him back in Kosovo. We will see him in the MPL Victoria with Dan Nongfunda. I can guarantee you that. I'm sure an offer has been made for him. Um, if you have watched Football Belongs, um, he does visit Dan Nong Thunder. So is that perhaps foreshadowing? Who knows? Uh, but also Nikita Rokovitsia, is, uh, he's been linked to every club in the world. Perth Glory, Melbourne Victory, Western Sydney Wanderers, um, some club in Azerbaijan. So we'll see where he ends up. But uh, I guess our next topic we'll move on to is, of course, the discussion surrounding Channel 10. Um, they launched a Paramount Plus platform two weeks ago. Uh, they've got a very interesting task ahead of them. Um, in terms of signing up their on-air talent. Uh, we're not going to mention uh, that sort of discussion. I'm sure that discussion has been covered heavily on Twitter. But uh, what should we expect, I guess, from Channel 10 in, in terms of the, the way that they present um, football in this country uh, coming up to the qualifiers next week, which will be on free-to-air television, which is, first of all, good exposure for football in Australia. Um, but I guess more broadly, uh, Presenting-wise, panel show-wise, what do you want to see uh, from uh, the new investors in Australian football? We'll start with uh, Harper on this one. Yeah, well, if we see anything like from Channel 10, what we saw in the kind of prime Fox football years of maybe (laughs) five years ago or so, uh, I think we could be in for an absolute treat of a kind of uh, broadcast from Channel 10 and Paramount+. Plus. Uh, But I've actually got Paramount+. Plus myself yeah so it'll be interesting to see how oh you did you did purchase a good man well no i haven't got oh you haven't oh okay (laughs) not a good man yet you need to purchase it the iCarly iCarly is is sublime you have to you have to watch it yes yes i'm pumped up for that iCarly i'm pumped up for the a-league as well so when the a-league kicks off i will be getting paramount plus uh and uh yeah hopefully we can see a kind of uh in terms of streaming user-friendly you've got paramount plus yourself neil how user-friendly is it it's is it good quite, it's it's quite good i mean inevitably there'll be um mishaps in yeah. some way shape or form but it, it it looks quite good to me it looks like a very you know user-friendly interface um in terms of it's very easy to navigate as well um you compare it to chaos sports i think it's very similar in that vein um very easy to access the various channels and things like that um mm. but then again my own experience has been, has been watching the, the reboot of iCarly so there you go <laughs> and it has been awesome to see uh, lots of clubs give discounts on Paramount Plus when you buy a membership uh, because I think they'll be, yeah, really, really good for the kind of casual fan and the fan who attends games. Um, and I guess we'll talk about the APL's appointment of Richard Bayless as the head of content, um, which is quite intriguing, uh, to say the least. Didn't expect Richard to leave Optus Sport, but here we are. Um, Jack, your perspective, obviously, Richard uh, is a friend of myself in some way. He came on my podcast once, uh, so there you go. 
Uh, <laughs> so whatever you want to call it. But yeah, Richard is a lovely, lovely guy. And he's got big visions for Australian football. If you haven't watched Football Belongs uh, by Optus Sport, of course, a documentary by Richard uh, Ben Coonan and David Davutovic, um, do go and watch that. But yeah, I guess, Jack, your perspective on this and how will he help shape the digitalization of the A-League and W-League? Yeah, well, I mean, he's someone that has football at heart, and that's, I think, really what we need, especially after everything that happened with Fox over the last year or so. It became pretty apparent that they weren't too interested in Australian football, at least. So I think it's really important that we have someone in who will focus primarily on the good of the game. And I think we'll see if it's anything similar to the Optus content will be really intriguing because the one problem I had with the Optus content is I didn't get all of it because it wasn't all Australian football so if he can produce similar things on Optus to what he's on uh to what he's produced on Optus for the APL I think it's a well I think it's a really good appointment anyway but I'm really excited to see what he can do and it'll be it'll be fun it'll be a fun journey (laughs) get the nail on the head Harper your thoughts yeah, well, I'm no expert in kind of uh, broadcasting anything like that. But from my perspective, from a viewer's perspective, uh, he's great broadcast, and he's yeah, like Jack said, guy who's got football at heart. And I think a good thing about him because uh, he he was at Fox. Uh, am I right in saying he was at? Fox yes, he was. Fox? He was a sideline yeah. sideline reporter in the A League. Yeah, all those yeah. years ago, um, he he grew a beard and he's the uh, <laughs> Optus Sporter. Uh, what well, was the Optus Sport main presenter? Yeah. Uh, By the well, way, he's he's got a he's got a gorgeous gorgeous beard. I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have seen his beard. He's a very luscious looking beard. It looks very nice. Um, it's good stuff. But I think uh, what what I like him about a broad as a broadcast, and what I like him for kind of most of Fox Football's broadcasts, uh, it kind of there's this view uh, among lots of football fans that it's kind of victimhood mentality, like being hard done by and kind of getting bad luck with everything. And maybe we are, maybe we are, but I don't think that kind of attitude helps. And he's a guy who doesn't like clearly spout that kind of attitude and convey that attitude. And he's positive, upbeat guy and he's got big ambitions, hopefully, and hopefully he can do good for the game. Yeah. The rich is one of the most um, well-spoken and eloquently spoken. And I guess moreover, best people in, in Australian football at the moment. You know, he really pushed for football belongs and he got it. And it was a masterpiece, an absolute masterpiece. And the fact that that documentary came out around the time that Ann Postacoglu was appointed for Celtic as well was massive. Um, and I think uh, for him more broadly, uh, it's a really big step in his career. And hopefully it's a step in the right direction for Danny Townsend and the rest of the APL. Um, the old firm. I know uh, it's a massive game for multiple reasons. Ange Postecoglou's first test against a uh, strong Scottish opposition. No no disrespect to Hearts. Um, But, wow. It's it's happening this Saturday, 9pm, Australian Eastern Standard Time. It's uh, it's crazy. I'm not sure if I'm as hyped up as you guys, or I might be more hyped up than you guys. But if, if Ange does win, He's had two 6-0 victories in this past seven games. He's had a six-game undefeated streak. Will he, is he the saviour of Scottish football? If he does win. <laughs> if he does win. 
<laughs> well, I think one half of Glasgow definitely doesn't think he's, he'll be the saviour of Scottish football. Uh, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be very, very exciting if he does win. Rangers winning the title last season, of course. And uh, Celtic fans, like uh, they, they were so, so negative. So many of them were so negative about the appointment early on, as we all know. But it's just almost completely done a 180. It's completely flipped. And uh, they're, they're loving him at the moment. And I'm loving the kind of big Australian influence at Scottish football. Uh, it's been present over the years. And now we've got a few players at Hearts, obviously a manager at Celtic, and it's awesome to see. Martin Boyle as well. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Jack? Yeah, I think it's going to be really cool. I don't know much about Scottish football, but I have been watching a few things on it just to see what they're saying. And basically before the season, it was everyone saying Celtic are in the mud due to their, not due to the manager positive, but due to the boardroom and everything surrounding that. I think it says a lot that uh, I listened to JJ Ball, who works for TFA Football, do a video on <laughs> how screwed basically Celtic are, was part of the video at least. And he said they'd need three or four signings to compete for the title. And I have no idea what they'll do. They'll probably win 5-0, hopefully, or no, 6-0 again. But um, I think I have no idea whether uh, it'll be interesting to see them compare to Rangers, but I think it says a lot of Ange Postacogba's individual coaching ability that the level he's gotten these players to and how quickly he's got them with uh, how quickly he's got them to gel with his quite complicated uh, way of playing in his philosophy. So I really hope they win. <laughs> Obviously, if they don't, it's definitely not the end of the world because that the stuff he's doing with Celtic is quite unbelievable considering. I guess the players at his disposal, not that they're bad players in any way, just how much he, you've seen them improve from the end of last season to the start of this season. Yeah. And I think kind of putting aside the off-field stuff just for a sec, it is going to be so, so good just to see an Australian in one of the biggest games of the world, albeit on the sidelines at the Ibrox, a packed out Ibrox and one of the most famous, one of the best atmospheres the best games you can go to in the world. It's going <laughs> to get my uh, the shivers going down my spine, I've got to say, when I tune into that one. Yeah, for sure. I, I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun to, to sort of see that fixture play out. And, you know, if Tommy Rogic has a good game, oh, it's going to be a lot of fun, won't it? <laughs> um, Dom Rogic scores a hat-trick and then goes into the qualifiers. Who knows? Uh, we'll see what happens there. But uh, I guess finally, we'll talk about the FFA Cup, the uh, Football Australia. Uh, they did... Uh, unleash a statement or release a statement uh, the other week uh, regarding that they are committed to the completion of the FFA Cup in 2021. Uh, this statement reads that Football Australia will endeavour to provide substantial update to the football community before the end of August. However, at this juncture, the earliest that matches in the round of 32 are due to, com- due to commence is in mid-September. Um, South Melbourne versus Melbourne City is meant to be happening this weekend. Well, it was meant to be happening this weekend. That will not be happening. And I hope it does in some world that is this reality. So we'll see what happens there. But I guess uh, both of you guys, I- I- I've-, I've posited a number of suggestions regarding how the competition can be completed may not strictly be in 2021 uh but what are your what are your thoughts on on, on this uh interesting dilemma we have there well interesting and i'm sure something that the fa would have no um ambitions to uh to let up on uh yeah well um what, what were your suggestions just out of interest 
So the MPL sides, they commence their season in February, March. So I'd say you play the cup from March till about May. So essentially speaking, or you could play it from February till about April because the MPL rounds qualification-wise, they come later in the year. So um, it's all MPL one sides in the competition, in Victoria at least. I think New South Wales as well. Um so I think you can structure it in a way which you play most of your games in that period, assuming that borders are open and lockdowns aren't imposed uh, with obviously the prospective vaccination rates that, that we are proposing as a nation. But I don't think it's able to be completed this year because first of all, the state league seasons are essentially coming to the end at the moment in, in a ideal world in September. So um, I don't see it happening this year. But uh, I guess, Jack, what, what do you think? Oh, yeah. I was just going to say on that, Harper can go, but Football New South Wales cancelled their season, I think. Oh, yeah. Week, that that so. as well. I, I, I've, that's just gone over my head. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, Football New South Wales cancelled their season. It doesn't make it doesn't make sense for... It's not fair to say that, oh, an NPL club can trade for like a week and they can play against an A-League side. Um, you don't do that. Just uh, cancel it for this calendar year. Play... 2021's edition in 2022. Yeah, and like 12 of those 32 uh, clubs in the FFA Cup are based in New South Wales. So I don't think uh, we're going to see it happening anytime soon, really. But to be honest, my feeling is if they don't play it this year, which seems like the likely outcome, I don't think they're going to play it at all because if they play it next year, they're going to be playing two FFA Cups in 2022. I just I, more FFA Cup Harper. You can never get yeah, enough. I, I you do can never get a, FFA Cup. I, I want some sort of lucky at South Melbourne. That That's all I want. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, I just I just can't really see football Australia coming to that decision because the kind of like the, all those MPL clubs they'll be playing that uh, final stage of the FFA Cup 2021, and then basically straight after they'll be getting into their FFA Cup. 2022 campaign and maybe why the not? schedule is just why not too, have they got have they got the money have they got the kind of facilities and not facilities but have they got the resources to do that have they got the energy to do that the fitness yeah I, I'd say so I think you look at like midweek games are played all the time is it does it put strain on the, on their bodies yes but let's be real a lot of those clubs won't really make the latter stages especially with the open draw that we have at the moment so um or is it just me just sort of holding on to the to the possibility that South Melbourne will play against Melbourne City once? <laughs> uh, but who knows? It, it's a very tough dilemma. But uh, I, I guess, Jack, uh, your, your final take on this? No, I, I mean, I don't see why they couldn't play at midweek, at least in terms of the A-League players. They definitely have... Most teams would have to depth in the squad, even if they don't take it 100% seriously in terms of full starting 11 on Sunday, then on Wednesday, then on Saturday again or whatever. It's still fun to have more football for Australia. And I think they did similar things with the FA Cup, except they had, did they have like the finals like a month apart or something? Am I remembering that wrong? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. They, they play the finals a month apart. And that's yeah. a lot worse than having two cups in the same uh, calendar year. And if it was to be, what when's the normal FFA Cup? Would it be ending in like, what, October? It's the last match of the football season. So it's, um, oh. I think, October 23rd or something yeah. like that. So if we and were the to... the season starts on the 30th, yeah. Sorry, if we were to have it end in, say, from say from January to March or February to April, it wouldn't be that. I don't think, I don't see why not. It's it's fun. It's football. We I think the fans would want it in general. I think that it's good for the NPL teams and 
I think it will benefit everything. Yeah, and I, I believe, I think by reports, we will kind of hopefully reach this target of 70 to 80% vaccination by the end of the year. So maybe, just maybe, I'm not saying this is going to happen, I'm not saying it will happen, but maybe they could go in a kind of hub-style situation. Maybe they'll all go to say Queensland or South Australia, all 32 clubs and they play their matches and then get out, finish it in 2021 and then be done with it. A-League season. That's another roadblock yeah. as well. True, so. true, true. But maybe, maybe you could put in international break or something. Who who knows? It's yeah. We do have international breaks and I, I don't see why not. I, I actually don't see why not. That's actually a very good suggestion, but James Johnson has stated it had to be his sort of personal ambition to complete the competition and, you know, good on James. He's a, Football mad at heart, and you know he's got plenty of ambitions um, in that sort of sort of environment. That's for sure. Looks at wants to wants to unite the game, and uh, good on James for for attempting to do that. But uh, to bring you a close of the podcast, we'll just let our listeners uh, read or hear about the the wonderful stuff we have going on at Kick Three Sixty. Uh, Daniel Margush, there's a feature on him coming out today. Uh, has already come out, um, touches on his uh, time with Adelaide United, Perth Glory, and also how he's solidified his number one spot um, at the Wanderers. Uh, of course, we have Perth Glory's physio in Chris Hutchinson speaking with Cameron Wiper um, on how he also treated uh, William Gallas, formerly of, uh, I believe, Spurs and Chelsea, if I'm not mistaken. And Arsenal as well. And Arsenal. Yeah. I was about to say, did, did, he, did he play for Arsenal? Because... Uh, he was um, captain of Arsenal for a captain bit. Captain of, of I'm not yeah. an Arsenal fan, so I wouldn't know. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Of course, there's also Brandon uh, um journey to HNK Sibinik, uh, of course. And we've also got some other stuff. Ange Postacoglu's huge game against Rangers will be covered as well by our resident Scotsman in James Reese. Well, he's based in Scotland. He's, he's actually Welsh, but uh, <laughs> there you go. Um, and lastly... Uh, we also have Tegan Micah. What a wonderful story she's had. Uh, and we've profiled her. Sean N covered that. And of course, uh, make sure you check out Harper and Jack's articles on Kick360 as well. Uh, as we mentioned before, Jack will be profiling the upcoming squad, prospective squad, um, tomorrow uh, or today. The article will be released. And of course, Harper, check out his an- analysis of the, of the 22 uh, person or woman uh, Matilda squad from the Olympics put a lot of work into it and it, it was fantastic but I guess that's from myself uh, Neil Simons and uh, yeah if you guys have any final words uh, feel free to uh, to raise them now Mate, pleasure coming on the first show really enjoyed it hopefully listeners enjoyed it too and hopefully we'll be back for more sometime soon yeah it was very nice to be on for the first show I hope everyone enjoyed it and everyone has a great what would it be seven so great next day or evening depending on when they listen to it whenever you're listening to this on spotify apple music apple podcasts uh deezer whatever it be uh hope you enjoy and we'll bring more of this podcast to you next week uh with some more guests and more of our wonderful journalists over at kick 360 i've been neil simons thank you very much and have a great day